0: Hello, Elise. can you hear me?
1: Yes, I can hear you, how are you?
0: Yay, good, I'm great, I'm so glad you could join.
1: <laughs> of thank you, thank you for connecting.
0: Of course, so today, um, you know, I just wanted to talk with you briefly about your career. I have a lot of social work students that, you know, are interested in being clinicians, but more than usual, I have others that are not sure that they wanna be clinicians, which is something different for me, as you know, I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, So I was hoping that you could share a little bit about, you know, your career path.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I could start literally at the beginning. Uh, And the beginning for me is uh, seventh grade. It sounds like it's far ago. But in seventh grade, I had a really, really impactful teacher
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, who motivated me just to be a best student that I can, but who said that I had a really knack for working with people and my peers. Sweet. Um, You know, so as a seventh grader, you don't know what to do with that. You know what that means. All you know is that feels really good, and I want to be able to follow through with that for other people. So my career path was always, I want to be a teacher. I want to be able to do that, what he did for me, Mm -hmm. to a bunch of people and a bunch of students. So my undergrad was in creative arts, a version of liberal arts, Mm -hmm. um, in the path to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in San Jose State when I was uh, doing that, that career in my undergrad. Uh, I fell in love with somebody who I am now married to and then she and I, uh, well she moved down here and I went with her so I followed yeah. love and uh, we moved <laughs> back to LA um, and in in LA though there was a big old, during that time in the early 2000s, there was a big um, freeze to hire teachers there was yeah. a big freeze because of budget cuts and a variety of reasons I remember that. So I had put all my eggs in this basket about being a teacher and helping kids and families and the whole thing. Now, when it comes to, at some point, you got to make some money. You got to make some um, career trade risks <laughs> yeah. that you weren't, you know, used to. Uh, there was an opening at a nonprofit. And it was a case manager nonprofit. Uh, sorry, it's a case manager opening um mm-hmm. called children's institute and it was still dealing with uh, in a school setting but dealing with middle school students who were either involved with or had associations to gang um life or gang family life or community violence and yeah. i said hey i could do that that's that's me that's how i grew up and i i, I could do that and i applied and uh, various uh, um great things happened that i i got the opportunity to work there mm-hmm. um but then i fell in love with the whole way of another way of helping people that it wasn't um the straight the same instruction or teaching it was more yeah. about modeling it was more about supporting and finding resources and being in the homes and you know mm-hmm. running events and it, it just became a lot more community organizing oriented um, Yeah. around that same time though I got exposed to way more clinical things than uh-huh. I had exposed to in any of my um, teaching types uh, um, jobs that I had. So then I found it with two things. I found it with communities and then helping people who were you know, um, in gang life or uh, helping people who were in that situation that was similar to mine, my upbringing. Um, but also, I found it with now there's a whole other way of teaching, which was social work, mm-hmm. which was a way of being a, a resource for an individual or family and then the community. Um, as a whole, so my next step in that career was well, what else could I do with my newfound passion of? of I still called it teaching, right? I was still teaching. It was still uh, informative. Yeah. It was still uh, um, uh, transformative. Yeah, well, that's what you and, knew. And as I learned yeah. more on the clinical side about well, what makes somebody do this, or what makes somebody um, to the brink of of hurting the kid, or hurting their spouse, or you know, all the stuff that that's gets taught in, in social work schools, um, I began doing more intensive clinical work or intensive programming uh, around uh, wraparound mm-hmm. and, and those type of uh, services. Um, and that just yeah. that optimized even more on what that looks like at the community slash county level because it wasn't just a few families dealing with this stigma or dealing with this disease or dealing with this uh, um situation but it was just county-wide and then you guys would see numbers bigger and bigger yeah. um which is mm-hmm. when i figured there has to be a place for me that i could still teach that i could still impact communities but i gotta do it a little bit larger i i i saw the potential in in one-on-one work or family work but i saw myself doing more macro or meso work uh which is which is where i went for my, my yeah. master so I, I attended usc um because they have a focus in, in macro. They have a uh, focus in business macro and policy and, and community organizing and that. And I, I really wanted to get behind that. Um, the, the more I went up in the career, the more I went up in, in my experiences in, in social work, the more I realized I enjoyed the managerial part of it. I really enjoyed the the leading part of stuff. And um, it's, not, it's not for everybody, right? It's not something that people don't want to sit behind no. spreadsheets and figure out. Uh, what to bring on and who to meet with, and uh, but I, I rather enjoyed it because yeah. it was the back end that was informed by my one-on-one experience. So um, I know most folks want to do a lot of direct practice, and they feel that's that's their end game. But it, it often is the beginning of many other opportunities um, because that's going to help yes. one. Yeah, become a professor that's going to help one become a manager that's going to help one uh, open our own org or, or consult or everything else because you have the the one-on-one experience Um so teaching has always been part of my thing right so whether I was uh, in front of my team and I was leading of something there was always some sort of professional team development I was doing Um, along with teaching and and, and social work I realized that Not a single profession or a single professional can fix it all by itself, right? So you have to be cross-collaborative. You have to know how to speak with the nurse. You have to know how to speak with the police and how to be able to have a a common language about, you know, what the kid or family is going through so that it's not always deficit-based and and all that stuff. So the more that my career went on um, and I was doing more uh, managerial things or leading or director type stuff, the more I realize that I have to have not only my profession really well, and, and uh, I know what I'm saying and doing, but I have to be able to have equal terms with uh, like-minded colleagues, so like a MPH person or a doctor yes. or somebody that we're going to uh, do business with or something. Then I have, we have to be able to speak the same language, which uh, that has taken um, a, a couple of years to, to figure out, um, because it's mm-hmm. it's still using some of the soft, the clinical skills or soft skills that that takes to engage a family and be able to, to um, redirect and reframe, but now you're doing it to professionals, right? Now you're doing it uh, to people who are going to be working with you. Yeah. So that's the long mm-hmm. that's the long story. And, and then again, going back to teaching, I I knew that I wanted to always have my foot in in the actual practice, so like at a nonprofit, and my foot in higher education. Because it to me it's yeah. cyclical, right? So the same folks who are about to help our students now and, and then when they become the helpers, yes. they got to make sure they pull up the next um, league of, of folks or students. Yes. And, and I think that's what what you're trying to do. You're trying to make sure that they're not only prepared for their clinical experience, but they're prepared for a variety of possibilities that are out there for social workers.
0: Absolutely. And I see I have, you know, I have several students who, you know, are interested in the clinical work, obviously. But, you know, there's there, you know, they can, they can see it the bigger picture. You know, we we're in charge of shaping it as we're we're growing in our careers. So, um, you know, I haven't done a lot of macro work as you have. But, you know, I just like you mentioned, I I'm interested in, you know, bringing up others just as as you have been. So, of course. Thank you for sharing that. I'm actually really, really surprised. I didn't know you were a key soldier. Yeah, that's how I started. That
1: was 2003, <laughs> um, and I that was is there so cool. up to maybe about 13, 14 years of my career. So a lot of that, that, that upbringing, yeah. or a lot of my my roots, come from that particular organization, right? Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes, and that organization has some some really good roots. So it's yeah, a good place to exactly. grow up in. Yeah. So um you actually knocked out like two of the questions I <laughs> had for you. <laughs> Thank you so much <laughs> for being so efficient. Um I was wondering actually, we had some students wondering how you got to your specific job. So if you could describe a little bit about oh, what yeah. you're currently doing and what steps you took. Yeah, to I'll there. share the
1: long title for you guys. It's it's I work at a nonprofit called Hathaway Sycamores Child and Family Services. Uh, this nonprofit has been around, mm-hmm. like many in, in LA County, who have been here for a long time, through residential days and orphanage back in the 1900s. So it's been here over 100 years. Um, I oversee the campus in Highland Park. Uh, the long title is Assistant Vice President of Highland Park Family Resource Center and Strategic Partnerships, right? Like, there's no, oh, there's an no an acronym asshole. for that. So I often <laughs> say just Assistant Vice President. Um, it looks different yeah. for various organizations, right? But how I got to this org is there was many opportunities where uh, um, you follow either the next trend. So everybody goes and, okay, I want to become a licensed person. Or I want to become um, a, a, an executive director or the next version of your life, uh, career path. Um, oh. I always knew that I, I want to be able to uh, run my own or a few nonprofits before um I retire. um, uh, just, <laughs> just a few, so, so I'm often <laughs> looking for who's the best out there, who's doing it really well in order to really learn, right? So, mm-hmm. so I got a lot of my stripes in my, um, uh, core from Children's Institute and a lot of leadership who was there and was able to show me and model what, yeah. what that would look like, um, Now, at some point, you got to leave the branch, sorry, you got to branch out a little bit to test that yourself or to see if, if it's, if it's you that's being so helpful, or it's because the machine runs so well that it's so helpful. Um, So I had the opportunity to, to obtain a, I'm earning my doctorate at the moment. So I knew I needed to have a, a step that, you know, allowed me to do the the doctorate, but also be able to do some work that, that was going to progress me to the next role in my life. Um, I also have a, a couple kids and I'm married. So, so there's a lot of things coming together, you know? Yeah. Um, but the role mm-hmm. here uh, was offered or was sort of um, figured out when there's a, a development team from another organization from that came here and it was looking for somebody to support this this site or this campus. And I was recommended and we ended up mm-hmm. chatting about, um, well, what could I do to support the campus? How could I uh, bring some of the skills that I've done? And, and it comes back to um, there's something on your resume that says what you do. However, the connections you've yeah. made and the proven um, uh, your actions speak way more than those four <laughs> or five pages in your CV, you know, and they'll speak way more than your, yes. your resume or your um, degree ever will. So I think that's what happened. I think a lot of my um, actions and my resume and a lot of my connections were, were, were advocating for me to to uh, jump on a position like this. And the role that I have here is, mm-hmm. is a campus that has uh, a mental health component, right? We have uh, several intensive programs for counseling and community mental health. And we have uh, also a side that's uh, non-mental health that we do uh, youth and family development. So we have a, a food bank and we have uh-huh. an after school program. We have a mentorship program. We have parent support groups. We do a lot of outreach events, we do community events. So it was the perfect mixture of both of my worlds that I've experienced, right? Both of the the mental health piece that I've done and yes. then both of the community services that I've done. Now I'm doing it as, as a version of a, of a campus level, um, which is a little slightly mm-hmm. different because now uh, there's various campuses around, but I oversee this particular one. So I have um, directors who who have their teams and, and they do the work and I support them. Um, the the, the the tagline that I've given myself is just an uh, unofficial firefighter, right? Because there's always fires to put out. There's always things that need to be figured out, whether it's a structural thing or HR need or support uh, from, a, from a staff to um, coverage in front office. I mean, it, it, it's all encompassing in what has to be done for the campus and the program. So mm-hmm. um, in a nutshell, that's what I do. I, I support those two main sides of the house. Wow. Um maintaining the campus mm-hmm. um, up. You guys are always welcome to visit. If you want to come by, just send me an email. It's uh, org. So come by, we're in Highland Park.
0: Perfect, yeah, I know exactly where you're located. Yeah. I used to drive by there all the time when I saw yeah. clients in that area. Actually, you said something really mm-hmm. interesting that I wanted to touch upon a little bit, but I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you first. Um, what a typical day looks like for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a clinician, I can, tell my students, you know, you're going to see clients back to back to back, do some yeah. groups, do some outreach, you know, go on home visits. But what does a typical day look yeah, like for I, you? It,
1: there is no typical day, right? There's nothing that says this is what I do on a daily basis. I look in my week. True. I look at my, what I'm doing per week uh, because stuff fluctuates. And then mm-hmm. I literally built in time for crises to, to, to happen, you know? Um, more more or less. Yes, I know smart. that, you know, if I'm seeing the email saying so and so is gonna be out or so and so sick, they would need to be figuring out next step, next steps for um for coverage or, or something like that. Um because I'm in a in a campus that has our development team on site, um they often wanna have like a college fit vi- sorry, a, a donor visit or something that, that talks about monies or funding. Yeah. So I have to be ready and available for that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm super transparent in what I'm doing. So sometimes I work, you know, eight to five and go pick up the kids, get back to it at seven. Or sometimes I work at 11. You know, it, Sweet it's day. It, it gets done what it has to mm-hmm. get done. Um, but more often yeah. than not, I'm, I'm balancing between supporting the mental health side of the department and it's supporting the youth and family development side. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both super important for the community. So neither one of them should trump the other one, right? So just because it is uh, an event that's fun and exciting doesn't mean that it's any less important than a crisis situation that needs me to be attended to for a staff or a family you know um, but then I'm pretty open as well to say back hey guys just check me out in my calendar and see what I could uh, slide some time to to discuss your idea or to discuss your need um, yeah so so folks staff has access to me 24 uh, seven and then my <laughs> typical days st- Hours, quote unquote, start off at eight thirty and at five, but I'm available twenty four seven. And then often, um, yeah, there's evening work that I do that just gets better done when I'm not trying to put out a fire or trying to figure out something the last minute. You know. Yeah. Yep.
0: I hear you on that one. Usually, we just tend to take our work home. Yeah, no and our family
1: putting boundaries up, right? Like, like uh, um even if it's Saturday, or Sunday, yeah. I know I have a block of time when I could do it, and I put it in my calendar, and it's and to share with everybody. Um, yeah. I don't expect that yeah. from everybody else, right? Like I, I make sure that people know that, you know, that, that you put in your hours, but really what has to get done is what has to get done. So let's talk about how we can make that up or, yes. or what you need to shave off or what I can help you mm-hmm. with, uh, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So what kind of typical social work skills would you say you're utilizing on an everyday basis? Uh,
1: active listening is the first thing I do when I go, wake up until the last thing I do when I go to sleep. <laughs> um yep. because everybody has a, a situation or a need that has to be listened to and it has to be troubleshooted troublesho- or, or figured out um and then sometimes nothing has to be fixed mm-hmm. it's just some, somebody needs to be heard and something needs to be um sympathized with or empathy with empathized with um and mm-hmm. then often uh i have to be able to use uh, reframing on things that we cannot do anything about right uh, um yes. a lot of the mental health yes deal with the Department of Mental Health, <coughs> which have policies and state laws and da-da-da-da that we just can't do anything about, right? We, we, there's no going around it. There's a certain uh, limit or a certain deadline or whatever that is. It's just reframing. What are we got to do about that? Um, period. Yes. It's a
0: solution-focused a lot of yeah, ways. In a lot it's, of ways.
1: It's all solution-focused. And I'm not sure if it's technically a social work skill, but I, I tend to... Um, Error on safety first, right? Like, whatever we're discussing, is it a safety issue, whether it's something for the family or something yes. for the staff, or you know, um, and then health is in line with safety, right? So, if you're about to go do this, is that going to put your health in danger, or is that going to put that family in danger, or, or mm-hmm. you know,
0: if we need to remodel
1: something, is that going to be uh, um, bad for the people around the remodel? Like, things that are uh, are being cognizant of everybody's health is something else. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And then, lastly, just, just, uh, I don't know if it's a, a particular social risk skill, but it's definitely being able to um, to share that that what you know and as, as much as you, as much as you're able to share. That's that's as much as I know, right? So that there's no misunderstandings yes. or, or um, double meanings of what I'm saying, and I want to make sure that we're on the same page and everything's mm-hmm. clarified before we move onto anything, whether it's a fun yeah. thing or whether it's a very serious thing. We got to make sure that we all have the same communication um, together.
0: Yeah, and I think I think what you're describing is just basically being an ethical practitioner, being transparent yeah. about your communication, being transparent about your actions, making sure that you um, follow through with what you say you're yeah. going to do and you know you're accountable. So um sounds very social. Oh, it, economy, yeah, actually. it is. It is.
1: <laughs> but but I, I I defer back to the the learnings of I work with a variety of of practitioners so they're not all yeah quote unquote graduate level they're not all sort of there might be some paraprofessionals there's people from the maintenance crew there's people from uh, vendors I mean so so the variety of of yeah. people that I interact with um, they all mm-hmm. have to be treated equally right fairly and everything but um, but you don't speak to everybody with the same uh, um, way, no. right? And it's not it's not a demeaning way, it's just more about, like, you're not going to tell somebody uh, that is not a non-clinical person something about a diagnosis, and they have to make sure that they understand that, right? You have to bring it down to what they know yeah. and how they can associate it to you mm-hmm. know?
0: yeah so adaptability mm-hmm. flexibility understanding who you're working with um you know i think a lot of times we tend to delineate between clinical skills and like oh, macro yeah, no. skills when in reality it's all kind of sort of one and yeah. the same it, because you shift back and forth between a, a lot of different yeah. gears um but as you mentioned it just sort of takes time mm-hmm. to you know during your one-on-one yeah. practice as you're learning and understanding what the problems and yeah. issues are and, and the people that With how that translates later on into the bigger picture. So, um, you know, as you know, my students are second year students, they'll be graduating in May. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, obviously they're not going to be getting a vice president job right out of the gate. So, um, I'm wondering if you have any um, ideas of what are some. Typical employment opportunities for MSW graduates that are not interested in the clinical
1: path. Yeah, it's interesting you say about the the non vp off the gate. Um, it's different times about how technology and how entrepreneurship is taking on in uh, the nonprofit yeah. sector. Um, so one mm-hmm. does not have to have a direct path of of I'm a clinician first, and then I'm a manager, and then I'm this, but. Um, if there are sectors within a, um, a passion or an interest in social media and uh, uh, HR and, and uh, uh, entertainment world, then one would just have to see what are social work slash, um, like, what's, the, ne- what's the, uh, the most clearest role that would benefit the recent graduate, right? So some folks are going into recruitment. Yes. If they like the outreach, if they like empowerment, some folks are going into um, a lot of HR because there's a lot of risk management and those type of issues that are dealing with from employee to employee. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of social workers or recent grads who are going into sort of smaller nonprofits that that do more foundation work, like like a like a Make a Foundation or um, those type of foundations that do more one-on-one. Um, organizing. Uh, there's a lot of folks nowadays going into um, so law firms and things that, that will need support from a social worker. Uh, yeah. So the best advice would be, what's that? So for me, right, it was teaching. So what, what itch that I need to scratch that I always need that I, I had to continuously build on, then I had to go find my path around that. Um, mm-hmm. And there's nothing that says that you can't do your consulting on the side or begin partnering with a couple of other colleagues or or learning from um, people who are doing it at the moment and volunteering or interning for a couple hours a week or something. Um, So you could get to know what that looks like, what that experience looks like. Um, Yeah. There seems to be quite a bit of, um, if you go on LinkedIn or some of these platforms of uh, consultants (laughs) slash, um, what do they call them? Not innovators is the name of the word. Uh, 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 uh. There's another mm-hmm. word. But like, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah but it's like it's kind of like like an uh, influencer. It's kind of like an influencer, right? Like they're like they're oh, writing okay. sort yes. of positive or positivity type uh, messages, and they're mm-hmm. making sure that they're coaching. Uh, these are just mm-hmm. interesting ways of testing out your own skills and making sure that you're paving your own path. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that says that you can't merge several passions or skills together to make your own right. Uh, I met somebody a couple right. weeks ago who, who loves, that's his thing, he just loves research and he loves stats. Mm-hmm. So then he was able to pitch a couple ideas to different for-profits and say, hey, this is how I can make you money uh, and so I can save you mm-hmm. money. But he, he was purposely mixing his two passions together. So he he said he yeah. just never wanted to work. He wanted to always be at somewhere we had fun. So that was his, his idea of fun. Mixing research and, um, or, you know, stats into social. Yeah.
0: I think that's an excellent way to put it. I'm, you know, you know, find your passion and make something out of that passion because really it's going to be a satisfying career for you, you know? And again, the beauty of the social degree is even if you stop loving that passion, you'll find another passion.
1: Because it's so so correct um, so that is the, the awesome flexibility have. of it and, and um yeah. so one has to make a decision fairly early on right depending on where your trajectory is is what does your licensure path look like it doesn't have to happen immediately mm-hmm. after it doesn't happen you know whatever that looks like and yes. everybody's life situation